Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome, and thanks for joining us again. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers and your host on The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. At ASMC, we are committed to supporting the education, training, and certification of the defense financial management workforce, to driving financial transformation in the defense sector, and to upholding the highest ethical and professional standards. My guest today is Jonathan Moak, founder and principal owner of Moak Management Associates and senior vice president of sales at Inkit. Moak Management Associates is a consultancy startup focused on developing and directing go-to-market plans and acquisition strategies using innovative technologies that support the Department of Defense and other federal agencies. It is an early stage startup and was established just three months ago in June of 2023. Inkit is a startup in the scalable document generation market where Jonathan serves as 26th employee. He has executive level experience in both the public and private sectors, leading business transformation efforts that worked at the intersection of mission, resources, data, and technology. We are excited to have Jonathan on the show today to talk about what drove him to the startup sector where he is placing his business bets, and how he is overcoming startup challenges in the highly competitive government contracting space. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich, for having me. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, it's been a busy summer for you. Um, you know, back uh, just a few months ago, you were working for a large, established, uh, founded, well-founded company, um, and then you struck out on your own in June with Moak Management Associates. And then most recently uh, signed on with uh, Inkit. Uh, let's take us back to probably the June timeframe and talk about your decision, uh, or May, talk about your decision to start uh, Moak Management Associates and go out on your own. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I was looking for a new opportunity. Um, I think that the collection of experiences I've had over a 20 year career, I've always been in large organizations, sort of bureaucratic in nature. And, and I think all of those experiences really taught me things that would lend itself to being your own debt master of your, your career and those sorts of things. So I really wanted to step out and, and start an LLC and I saw that there was a, a gap in the environment where you know uh, government employees didn't really understand what the private sector was doing, the private sector didn't really understand what the government employees were doing. So how do you start to shape that and help people understand where capabilities fit and, and you know, drive sales and organizational change inside the DOD, the place that you know, I called home for, for such a long time. So what you, the gap you saw in the market then was really a, a knowledge gap uh, between you know, what was going on inside the building um, and what uh, companies could see from the outside? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, there's, there's no malintent on either side, but sometimes the two organizations, private and public sector, don't really understand one another. You know, uh, sometimes it can kind of be a mystery what's going on inside the five walls of the Pentagon. Uh, to the public sector, to the private sector, and then sometimes to the public sector, they don't understand what private sector is doing and how they're trying to develop uh, product roadmaps or different capabilities through consulting and personal services and those sorts of things that are going to meet their gaps. And so when you don't really understand the voice of the customer, how can you provide the solutions that the government needs? And so I'm really just trying to help bridge that gap and and bring public and private sector together. So as the summer kind of went along, you uh, set up your LLC uh, and uh, you were starting to talk to some clients. Uh, that led to a discussion with Inkit. Uh, can you talk about how that discussion went? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I stepped out and I, I had my first 1099 contract awarded and, and whatnot and trying to help them and you know, sort of through some other mentors that I've got helped me get in touch with other folks. And then Michael McCarthy at Inkit uh, ran into me and you know, I'm thinking, 
I'm going to have another contract here. This is great. This will really fill my portfolio. I'll be, I'll be as busy as I need to be. Uh, and he had other ideas. So we started to talk about you know, a relationship, and, and then pretty soon thereafter, he told me what his biggest need was looking for a head of federal sales. He'd been for two years driving the organization himself. You know, it's a four-year-old company. He slept on a couch for the first two years, you know, driving this business himself. And then you know, the last two years, he's been working on some com- competitive awards at the Department of Defense as a small business innovation research company. And he's about to achieve some of those awards here this fiscal year. And so it was time for him to find that head of federal sales to build his sales team from scratch. And so over uh, a phone call one afternoon, he said, I'm not looking for my head of sales anymore because I'm talking to him. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, I was pretty flattered by the opportunity and the discussion, you know, where you really have the opportunity to sort of build something the way that you want to do it. Taking a collection of experience from, you know, a uniformed service, active duty, uh, Department Army civilian, consultant at Deloitte, uh, the acting comptroller of the U.S. Army, and then you know, vice president at Salesforce in their public sector and taking all of those experiences and then you know, pulling the great things out of them and then trying to build this team myself. It was just an opportunity too great to pass up. So, so how do you describe what Inkit does? Uh, they're a document generation company um, right. and uh, they're operating, I assume, in the commercial space uh, and now trying to work into the, into the government space. So wh- what exactly do they do? What is their technology? So it's a, a secure document generation platform, and you know we meet uh, coming zero trust M two two zero nine security cybersecurity mandates. Hold on, let me write that down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're both IL four and IL five compliant, so we're meeting the De- uh, Department of Defense compliance standards uh, for for most of the business systems that, that exist. Our software essentially helps officials become more efficient. So if you think about anywhere where there's a document being generated or a workflow or a process. You've got a a standardized form that needs to have its fields filled. All of that data exists somewhere in other business systems throughout the Department of Defense. There's really no reason why it couldn't be automatically filled, the document generated, signed digitally in our system, and then ushered on to the next phase and distributed uh, to its either terminal location or the next step in the process. Our software does that. And and how did they find that there was a need in the federal government uh, for this, uh, this technology? So uh, I think originally Michael's plan was to attack some of the uh, the financial regulator market uh, on the on the commercial side. You know, healthcare, uh, banks. You know, there's a lot of documents produced in those organizations, and he's still leading a lot of that that effort himself as it's growing. Um, it didn't take him long as a former I banker himself to understand that the public sector is very process and workflow driven. So he started to investigate how do I move into the Department of Defense, knowing that there's uh, small business innovation research funding out there, and you know how do we get a phase one or a phase two cyber contract in place, knowing that you know he could take some of this funding he had and get after the compliance of the DoD, which is sort of a barrier for a lot of companies. But you know he's he's a great CEO with a wonderful vision and a can-do mentality, and so you know there's always a way to get to yes with him, and so he knew that he could get over the compliance hurdles, and that would reduce a lot of the competition that he saw in the commercial sector that was trying to. Uh, go to the private to the public sector of the Department of Defense. Now, there's a there's a lot of similarities I think here between uh, you know Moak Management Associates, where you're employee number one, right. and Inkit, where you're employee number twenty six. Uh, right. From a startup uh, perspective, uh, can you talk? Let's start with strategy. How you, as a startup, develop strategy? How you decide what markets uh, to go after? I think you have to think about where what are your strengths, right? Uh, and so if you think about, uh, let's talk about my experience first. You know, at at Deloitte. DA civilian, uh, soldier on you know the tactical edge, and the Army National Guard, uh, 
and then comptroller of the army, vice president of Salesforce. These things all have allowed me the opportunity to find a lot of mentors and create a lot of great relationships across this entire uh, defense industrial complex, if you will. And so knowing that you can sort of marry up great partners with organizations that are looking for change and challenge uh, and are challenging the public, the private sector to build capabilities that help them and trying to marry those together. That was just a, that was a need that I saw pretty quickly. Uh, as soon as I resigned from Salesforce, you know, I'm still in great terms with those folks there. So it's, it's a wonderful organization. I learned a tremendous amount there and I'm very pleased for that opportunity I had. But as soon as I left there, I had folks reaching out and asking, you know, what are you doing next? And so it sort of prompted this idea of taking some of the things I knew and trying to help those great organizations and great companies go into the Department of Defense. It's the same thing as at Inkit. You know, uh, government employees are constantly having to do more with less. You know, especially in the major commands at the tactical edge out there uh, across the DoD, you know, where, where money is very tight. And so if there's an ability to bring software to help them do their job a little more easy, some of those mundane tasks sort of become, you know, taken on by software and automation, and they can start to focus on the more strategic nature of work. So you have this digital worker working alongside government worker, and it's really sort of, you know, best harmony you can have. Uh, can you describe a use case, uh, whether it's in the acquisition side, procurement side, or financial management yeah. side, where this technology, this document uh, document technology uh, would, would be useful? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I think the bane of a lot of folks' existence in the Department of Defense is the, uh, the DD-2875, the Systems Authorization Access Request. You know, <laughs> I can remember as a, as a young GS-11 having to fill this form out and to get GFEBS access, NIPR access, so you could have access to email and the network. And it was something that really sat on my desk for about a day or two because I didn't really know where to go and get the information from. Who does it go to next? What's the process? Who has to sign it in what order? And then it disappears and you never know where it is in this process. So a good example would be this 2875 that allows people to get into the various systems, GFEBS or Advana up at OSD, you know, what have you. Uh, we can take that form into our system. We can pull the information that's required, the security clearance requirements and you know, your DOD ID number and all those sorts of things, populate the form, have it be signed, and then move it on to the next phase in its workflow. So that form, really what it does is it allows people to get faster access to business systems. It allows for the adoption of, of Advana or GFABs or you know, the future EBSC contract uh, that, that's being worked at, at Army. I think that's a great example. Uh, everybody in government knows the dreaded czar. Uh, right. So any, anything you can do to improve that, I think, would be, uh, would be helpful. How do you get this in front of uh, government leaders so they're aware of it? I mean, part of this is just a, an awareness because, it, as you mentioned, there's so much technology out there. Many government officials are overwhelmed by the information, the technology that's available to them. How do you bring this to the forefront so they know that this is available and it's something that they could, uh, they could implement fairly easily? It gets back to your relationships. You know, uh, when I was at the, in the Department of the Army as a comptroller, I enjoyed a really good relationship with the folks at, uh, at Comptroller, the Greg Littles and Ashley Evans and uh, Tom Steffens and all of those folks. You know, uh, just really enjoy the relationship with them. And we talked a lot about change and change management and what does the future of the CFO shop look like and how does it have to change, you know, digitally and with technology so that we don't become a Kodak, right, where we see digital transformation coming, but we do nothing about it. And so I think that, you know, after a period of time, you go to a company like Inkit where there's pretty low technical threshold to cross. It's, it's, it's honestly pretty simple software to implement and to use. Uh, and so if you can reach out to folks 
on the Advanta team or, or anywhere, just say, hey, we'd like to come show you our software. Or you're at a, a show like Defitic down in Montgomery, and you have people come by your booth, and you can give them a three to five minute demo, and they see the use case very, very, very quickly. Uh, and they can see that value. And so I think that, you know, with, with government employees, what's the time to value? You don't have a lot of time to step back and admire problems and think about what a path to success looks like. It's got to be co-created with that relationship and that trust uh, that, as a foundation. Show them the technology, see where it fits. Let's do a pilot. The pilot works. Let's try to get this into your long-term budget. Great. You're listening to The Business of Defense with our guest, Jonathan Moak, founder and principal owner of Moak Management Associates and senior vice president of Inkit. We'll be right back. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to the Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I'm talking with Jonathan Moak, founder and principal owner of Moak Management Associates, a small business startup in the government consulting space, and senior vice president of sales at Inkit, a document generation business for enterprises. Jonathan has seen the defense sector from both sides as a senior financial management leader in the Pentagon and in senior positions with the big four and Fortune 500 companies, experience he is using to create a competitive advantage for his companies. Jonathan, let's uh, get into your personal story. I know you've mentioned uh, your background a little bit, uh, spent some time in the Army uh, with the Big Four uh, and then a senior leadership position with the Army as Comptroller of the Army, acting Comptroller of the Army. Um, how did those uh, experiences prepare you uh, for working in the commercial sector? Where do you see the intersections there? Yeah, great question. Uh, look, I, I joined the Army in 2005, pre-surge, you know, come from a military family, sort of tired of seeing uh, flag-draped coffins come home and called my dad at 25 years old and said, is it too late to join the Army? Uh, he was a colonel in the Pentagon at that time and dead silence on the other line, on the other end of the phone. <laughs> you know, I uh, couldn't imagine the things that he was thinking, right? Uh, but, but that was really the best professional decision I've ever made my entire life, joining the Army and uh, spending time in uniform, uh, coming back, being a DA civilian, moving to Washington, D.C. on active duty for a year, thinking I was only going to be D.C. for one year and go back to Mississippi, where I was from, uh, but ended up staying here. Went to the Pentagon, uh, GS employee for a while. Wanted a different experience there after about three years. Moved off to the private sector in the consulting world, worked at Grant Thornton, uh, moved to Deloitte, uh, and then I was uh, pulled into the previous administration as the acting comptroller. Yeah, just a wonderful you know, ride. I couldn't have ever dreamed uh, that this would be the career path I took. And so uh, leaving the Pentagon, I've, I'd been focused a lot on our business systems and the strategy of how do you get defense business systems in a good place uh, and, and develop a, a, ro a product roadmap, a business systems roadmap that will support the audit and those sorts of things. Because I, I thought the systems were the most important part of the audit. It was sort of a different spin than I think previous folks had, had placed on, on the, the value of the financial information management world and asset management system world. So going to, to Salesforce really made a, a lot of sense. Uh, where I continue to focus on software as a service and how does software as a service uh, get its a foothold inside the Army and other organizations in the DoD. And so uh, once I realized that I wanted to, again, a bit of a different experience, wanted to go to a startup and take the collection of, of things I'd learned and 
I talked to many mentors of mine. It seemed like going out on my own made good sense. And I didn't really intend to end up at a tech startup, an early stage, Cyber, but you know, you really can't control these things. And I was just really inspired by the software. Uh, I really think that we have a, a, a really unique platform. We've got a terrific CEO with an awesome vision. Uh, and we're going to be empowered to, to drive a sales team and build that from scratch. And so that's just a really intriguing to me. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, startup mentality, uh, the motivation, the risk tolerance level, those type of factors. You know, what, what was your motivation uh, to, to get into? Because there's a lot of risk uh, out there. I mean, is it more intrinsic? Is it extrinsic? What are you, what are you looking for? What does it take to, to get out and start your, start your own business? I think you just have to do it, first of all, right? <laughs> you just have to decide to do it and commit to it. I've had a lot of folks say, wow, that was pretty you know, risky to take that, that leap. Proud of you for doing it. You know, and, and honestly, I don't see it as a giant risk personally. You know, with risk comes reward, first of all. But secondly, you know, no experience is a bad experience. You know, even in a small business, if we fall flat on our face, which we're not going to, but if we do, I can run this gamut for a few years and, and drive a business, and I'm going to learn a tremendous amount about being a business owner and the things that come along with that. Right? I think uh, before we started this, we were talking a little bit about the federal government, the overhead that's taken care of for you, the administrative requirements and all that. We don't really have that inside a, a startup. You know, you have a role and a function, but there's a lot of holes in, in the wall and a lot of water coming through, and everybody's plugging those holes together. So yeah, I think the mentality is uh, really sort of like, you know, being in an infantry company in the Army. Everybody's got to jump on board and row in the same direction. You know, it's not that you just have your job function and you're, you're in this, this box, if you will, to do this. It's you're going to have to do a lot of things and wear many, many hats. And so uh, that's a place that I, I thrive. Yeah, that's where I see some of the challenge with people uh, going from the government side to the commercial side. And certainly a startup is, as you mentioned, the, the government side, you've got a lot of overhead that's provided to you. Right. Your HR, your, you know, your pay, all of that is, is provided by somebody else. It just happens. Right. Uh, whereas in a startup, uh, you're doing that all yourself. And so right. you, you quickly lose all of that uh, support structure you had, and everybody's really rolling up, uh, up their sleeves. That probably comes as a shock to a, a number of people. I mean, were there surprises for you as you went into this, things you weren't expecting? I think that you have to go in with your eyes wide open and just realize that there's going to be a lot of things that you didn't think about. Things that you thought were important probably become less important very quickly. And then things that aren't necessarily on your radar become very quickly on your radar. A good example, we're, we're actually, and this kind of gets to the agility of a small business too, and, and the difference in that in a, a large organization like the federal government or Salesforce or uh, what have you. Um, we, we are trying to hire uh, our first account exec. And, and, and this uh, young lady brought up, what is your maternity policy? Like, well, you know, we don't have one yet. We have what we follow the law with. This isn't a barrier that we've really run into yet. I'm happy to, to talk to you about that. And so she, uh, she actually made a suggestion, a recommendation. I took that recommendation to our CEO as soon as I got off the phone with her. And you know, we implemented a four-month policy because there's a pros and cons and a cost benefit to that. And we understand that we can, we can finance this, we can figure out how to do it so that we can attract talent, right? And so that's something that I think that in a small business you get to do that is a little harder to do in a much larger organization that has a very thick policy manual. Yeah, many, uh, many startups uh, don't succeed. Uh, there's some common factors. Uh, one of those is, is cash, uh, another is you know, talent may have the right people on the team. What are you seeing as kind of the biggest risks uh, in your business right now? Well, certainly uh, cash flow, inflation. Uh, for us, the DOD is our main customer right now. Uh, our CIBR contract is through AFWorks. 
Um, and then we've got some pilots running at A1 and A3 in the Air Force, and we're trying to expand outside of that to OSD and other places. Um, so when we think about the number one risk, it's, it's government employee turnover. You know, you'll have a champion for two years, and then they get promoted because they're so good or they move on to another place. And a lot of those efforts sort of wither on the vine when, when they depart. And so you've got to find that champion, and then you have to sort of expand that beyond just their control and move it down to their team so that it sort of gets that irreversible momentum, if you will. Um, some of the other things I think that are, you know, federal compliance is, is very costly to, to maintain. You know, IL-4 and IL-5 environments for us, that, that costs a tremendous amount of money. Um, the federal sales cycle can be awfully lengthy. You've got to have a lot of stamina to stick with a, a six to 18 month timeline. And then you also have to have somebody that has the ability to, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time and think about what's on the two year horizon, but also, you know, prosecuting deals that are within the 90 day timeline too. So. You really do have to be sort of a, a Swiss Army knife, if you will. Ultimately, uh, you know, when a contract is awarded, it comes down to the contracting officer, right? right. Uh, so you may have convinced the requirements owner that this is important, but right. you know, how do you ensure that uh, or reduce the risk that uh, when it goes to actual contract award, that uh, you are the company that's uh, actually awarded the contract? That's a that's a great question uh, for us as a Sibber. You know, we've got sole source uh, justification; we can be directly awarded contracts. That that really helps. You know, that that's a a game changer for us. Uh, our CEO also has tremendous relationships with, with his contract, with our main contracting officer. So they, they spend a lot of time discussing requirements and, you know, what does this contract need to look like? And the ability to get into an, uh, a counter offer, best and final offer type of, of, of arrangement where the contract, where the government is working with us to help us get, achieve the rates that we need for our engineers and those sorts of things to provide the value that the government and the taxpayer deserves. So Sibber can get your foot in the door, but how do you scale from there? Uh, how, how can a company, whether it's Moat Management Associates or Inkit, yep. scale um, when they have to compete uh, for these large contracts? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think it really comes down to relationships. I mean, I say relationships a lot, but you know, we've got pilots in, in several places throughout the Department of Defense, and they're going very well, and the customers like what they see. So making that transition as a SIBR from RDT&E funds to procurement dollars and then into sustainment and long-term budgets, that's a, that's a very tough uh, hurdle to cross. And so the way you do that is in scaling is getting to your, your partner environment, uh, looking for good systems integrators that want to work with you, uh, that are going to help you implement your software, that are going to do it the right way and, and help you uh, put your software on its best foot going forward, right? And so I've reached out to a tremendous amount of folks in my network and I'm working on demos with, with various companies and systems integrators, small, medium, and large, that have different uh, strengths in different places around the Department of Defense. And I think that you, know, you want to work with people you trust and people you like. So I'm really leveraging those relationships to, to hopefully scale out with them because they get to enjoy the, the same benefits of sole source uh, cyber contract as well. Yeah, at the end of the day, whether you're working on the commercial side or the government side, it all comes down to relationships. I'd like to thank today's guest, Jonathan Moak, founder and principal owner of Moak Management Associates and senior vice president for sales at Inkit, for his insights into startup strategy, business models, customer focus, and competitive advantage that will allow them to scale in support of defense and federal clients. Watch the Business of Defense again next month, where we bring you inside the companies working to drive transformation in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. I am Rich Brady, CEO of the American Society of Military Comptrollers, and I thank you again for joining us. You are listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC. 
Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network.